Ninja. Okay, hi everyone, and welcome to Geography Ninja. So, um, what we're doing today is we're looking at the impact of the COVID nineteen uh, outbreak on geography, and we're you know looking at different aspects of this. So we've already looked at the uh, humans' relationship with nature in the first one. This second one, what I wanted to take a look at is. Um, uh, energy use, how COVID-19 is impacting on um, energy use. So this really relates to two important issues that geographers, we, we're often interested in things like fossil fuel use um, and the rise of renewable energy and also climate change. You know, these two things are, are sort of two sides of the, of the same coin. They're definitely inter interconnected. So I suppose the other issue that we as geographers we often look at is energy security. You know, is there enough energy um, supply to meet demand? And clearly this is a big issue for any um, national government. You know, can they can they ensure that they are going to keep the um, the energy supply flowing? Is, is supply going to meet demand from whatever sources um, that might be? And clearly in in recent decades or really for the last century, you know, we are talking about fossil fuels, coal, oil and natural gas. So where where we're going to begin on here, there was a story on the 28th of April um, in the UK uh, news that um, the UK had now passed 18 consecutive days of power generation without any use of coal which is is remarkable because if you you know just go back um 10 15 years or so coal is up there as you know the number one energy source in the UK's energy mix um now apparently this is the longest stretch of time without any coal-fired power generation i think from what i can see it's since the industrial revolution so you know going back to the late 1700s early 1800s um, according to the National Grid, it's the longest uninterrupted period in the UK since 1882, um, where coal-fired power plants have not been used. So it's pretty remarkable um, overall. I remember there was, there was um, a day back in 2019 where it, it, it seemed to make the headlines that, you know, for the first time, um, renewables were making up a higher proportion of the energy mix uh, than coal. This is just on one particular day, but clearly now we've had 18 consecutive days. In the news. In the news. In the news. And there seem to be two main reasons for this um, event. Now, the first one is due to the current lockdown conditions in the UK related to COVID-19. Um, as you would expect, you know, people are people are by and large staying home. Shops are closed. People are traveling, you know, a fraction of what they were previously. Factories aren't necessarily producing to the same quantity or they're not producing stuff at all. Um, so that has had a big impact. The other reason, however, is due to the increased use of solar um, energy. Now, you know, this has been increasing for some time. Um, Back in April uh, of this year, it accounted for, for more than 9.6 gigawatts of electricity 
in the UK. And, you know, looking at data showing the UK's percentage of coal-fired power generation, there seems to have been an undeniable decline in the contribution made by coal over, uh, well, since around 2012, actually. So um, thinking through the impacts of COVID-19 on the UK economy and globally, it's really difficult to predict what the total implications at this point might be. However, one clear impact seems to be that electricity demand um, has declined significantly due to the lockdown. Uh, you know, many of these users of energy is just not, are not functioning at present. So what's happened uh, with the lockdown seems to mean that renewables and low carbon sources of energy are currently making up a much bigger contribution, higher proportion to the UK's energy mix. And maybe just pause there for a second, because um, energy mix, that's, that's another term that we often use, geographers will, will often uh, use when discussing things like energy security and uh, uh, the you know, energy use and so on. Um, so what it means, it, it just really means it's a combination. You know, every country has a combination of different energy sources, um, often known as primary energy sources, uh, that are used to meet the energy demand within that country. Um, pri a primary source of all its uh, source of energy is really one that hasn't been converted into any other form. So it's you know what produces what is used to produce electricity, for example. Well, maybe it's a it's oil, maybe it's coal, maybe it's natural gas, maybe it's sunlight through solar power. Um, and energy mixes traditionally have been really heavily dominated by fossil fuels. Um, recent figures show that globally fossil fuels account for something in a region of about 80% of energy supply and coal and oil are by far the biggest, um, biggest proportions. However, within the UK, um, energy generation by coal has already been on a on a de decline so you've got many of the coal-fired power stations in the UK having been decommissioned by the government um, and you know this is all linked to climate change targets um, so in February of this year uh, the Department for Business Energy and Industrial Strategy stated that the government was consulting about bringing forward their deadline to phase out uh, coal-fired power generation altogether by 2024. So we're talking about four years away. Um, so Boris Johnson, the UK Prime Minister, announced this during a speech to launch the, um, the COP26 climate summit. Um, now, this climate summit was due to take place in November of 2020 in Glasgow in the UK, this is now being postponed because of COVID-19. But the main issues here, um, really, you know, coal is seen as, as potentially the worst form of power generation in the context of greenhouse gases, but also in terms of air pollution um, as well. So in the UK, um, our reliance on coal for electricity has has dropped so from 1990 where it was about 70 percent or so uh through to 2019 
where, um, you know, the, the, the most recent figures are around 3%. So really, you know, a huge reduction in not that long. Uh, well, for some of us, it doesn't, doesn't seem that long anyway. Um, so the government's own figures in the UK suggest that the contribution of renewables to the energy mix now is around about 33%. So this is a record level. This is it's never never been as high as that before. And um, at the moment uh, in Britain, there's there's uh, there's only four coal fired power plants left. So I guess, you know, really by all accounts, we have this really dramatic shift from coal, um, which is in the decline to this growth of renewables, maybe also accelerated slightly in the in the com in the context of of covid-19. That's quite interesting. Well, yeah, actually, I do think it's quite interesting because um, the UK National Grid has suggested that some wind farms and power plants might actually be need to be need to be turned off uh, to avoid risking overloading the electricity grid at present because demand is so is so low. Um, so I don't know what you think about this. Uh, you know, if you're an environmentalist, you might be thinking, "Wow, this is um, it will be." campaigning and protesting all, all these years to do something about uh you know fossil fuel use and climate change um and we don't get anywhere and then suddenly along comes covid19 and everything everything changes um i've been listening to a bit of neil young recently and uh very impressed with um a song that was on his colorado album i think it was in 2019 um uh, shut it down, and it's been it's been redone for the uh, the coronavirus outbreak. Shut it down twenty twenty, I think it's called. So you know we're not quite shutting it down, but we it's you know radically altering it. Um, okay, so the other thing we need to focus on is oil. You know this is the other big fossil fuel for energy use. Now, um, being someone who's who's followed and researched um oil uh, uh, as an energy source for for a while now um really interesting to see what the impact on the oil industry um has been over the last uh, couple of months so um in april uh the new york times reported that the price of crude oil closed at $12.34 which they they suggested was about the same price as a as buying a pizza in New York you know same price as a barrel of oil um whereas at the start of the year that that same barrel would have cost around $60 so that same article also gave some figures um from the EIA the Energy Information Administration in the the US it expected jet fuel you uh, use to fall by about thirty four percent during the second quarter of twenty twenty. Um, gasoline use to fall by around twenty five percent. So these are really you know unprecedented um, uh, drops in in you know the, the our normal functioning as an industrial society. Danger. 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 And looking at oil consumption and the sort of prices oil has been 
been selling for for about the last 60 years or so. So, you know, the modern era, um, generally speaking, I mean, the trend has, has, has always been upwards. I mean, we there have been times where the oil price has actually taken a ma- major jump upwards, um, namely around the uh, following the 1973 um, OPEC uh, price hike in oil. Um, around 1980, following the um, Iranian revolution, and, and again uh, at the end of 2007, um, as a precursor to the um, global financial crisis. Um, the big difference this time is that the prices have actually taken a very sharp downward uh, trend, real decline, and um, at one point even going negative. So what does all this mean? You know, in recent years, we've had this big expansion. You know, if we were, 10 years ago, ago, there was a lot of talk about peak oil. Um, you know, are we going to hit the point where oil, we, you know, we're, we're, we're running short of oil. Actually, the, the effort to get oil out of the ground, it, it becomes a bit counterproductive. It actually gets too expensive to, to start pumping oil out of the ground because there's, there's not as much left. Um, now we've moved on from that really now because we've had this big expansion in what uh, are sometimes called unconventional fossil fuels. Um, the and these would be things like um, uh, oil shale. There's a lot of this in the in the USA, but um, tar sands um, as as are found in um, in Canada in Alberta. So places like the tar sands in Alberta potentially at really high risk from these currently really extremely low oil prices. And most of this is due to the fact it's very expensive to produce oil from tar sands. They've got very high processing costs. So, you know, you might dig this um, tar sands out of the ground, you know, sand, sandy sort of black bitumen material you've got to somehow process that into a usable liquid um, oil now that uses a lot of energy but it's also quite expensive to do that um so you know it the tar sands really operate at a, a benchmark oil price of around 60 60 dollars 60 us dollars per barrel anything less than that it starts to look a little bit um tenuous so um you know, $60 a barrel is usually what they, they say they need to break even. So, um, for example, back in 2017, there was some, um, you know, business news comment that at $50 a barrel, tar sands couldn't really thrive because the oil price is too low. Well, if we're saying, you know, recently the oil price has closed at around $12 a barrel, what does that mean for tar sands? Does it make it, you know, non-viable? in in terms of a fossil fuel source um so you know back a few years ago um industry groups in canada certainly would have would have thought that um you know the the output is going to be increasing uh, massively of of canadian uh, oil from from tar sands i think some reports showed it doubling um between about 2015 and 2030 more recent estimates have are showing those figures really well down um on previous estimates um and you know would it will it even be that some of that oil won't ever be extracted 
from the tar sands. You know, these are the world's th third largest energy reserves of oil. Um, is it uneconomic at this point to to extract that resource? Um, so the other side of all of this is that you know the fossil fuel industry historically has benefited from lots of lots of big subsidies handouts in other words from governments and they've been also been getting it um as these the you know the uh, coronavirus pandemic has been ongoing um so according to the IMF the international monetary fund fossil fuel industries were already gaining something in the region of around 5 trillion US dollars a year this is globally um, but, you know, if we're looking at the US and Canada, we've got some examples of, of you know, recent um, subsidies. So something like the, the Keystone XL pipeline. And this is, um, you know, sub, well, transporting oil from um, from Canada down into the US uh, to the Gulf for uh, refining and so on. Um there's been a lot of a lot of support there, you know. So the Alberta government, five billion dollars they put in to um, to subsidising that. Um, lots of other things going on at the moment as well. Really trying to support that fossil fuel industry um, in uh, West Virginia and Kentucky. Um, apparently, fossil fuel protests now have been criminalised. Have been uh, laws passed to criminalise fossil fuel protests um in china there's been an increase in permits for new coal-fired uh, power plants this is during the covid19 outbreak and um where else well south korea uh there's been an 825 million dollar government support package for a, a major uh coal um, power plant builder so, you know, we've got all of this going on now. Should should we be put, putting money into subsidising uh, fossil fuel industries at this point? Um, you know, there's a lot of talk about getting the, the economy working again. But is this an opportunity to do things differently? Uh, so to finish off with then, um, you know, that's that's the big question, isn't it? Is this an opportunity that's been given to us now by the COVID-19 situation? Have we got this one-off opportunity to try and reshape our relationship with nature? Um, <clears throat> and, well, writing uh, recently, George Mumbio, this is writing in The Guardian, um, states that th this crisis is a chance to rebuild our economy for the good of humanity. Let's bail out the living world, not its destroyers. And in that article, uh, Mombio references a survey carried out uh, by Ipsos Mori. This is the um, the opinion poll survey uh, organisation in the UK. And it concluded that two thirds of the British population thought that climate change was just as serious an issue as coronavirus. And the majority want the climate prioritising any economic recovery. Um, now, this is not just in Britain, actually. This poll was conducted across 14 countries. And uh, what it shows is that on average, 71% of those who were questioned felt that climate change was equally serious a crisis as the coronavirus um, outbreak. Um, 
in Britain, actually, the total was 66%. But even in Australia and the, and the US, it was 59%. So it's still, it's still a, a solid majority. Um, in terms of supporting recovery, recovery from COVID-19, uh, all really major industrialised countries and, and a lot of those emerging economies, the ones we might know as the, the BRICS or the mints, so places like India and Mexico, China and Brazil, really strongly supporting um, a green economic recovery. So in other words, you know, going more for renewable energy than fossil fuels is, you know, is going to be a big part of that. In fact, the highest figures um, from any of these countries were coming from uh, India, Mexico and China, all had 80% or, or higher supporting the idea of a green economic recovery. So I suppose, you know, there's a few questions that we need still need to, to think about with this. You know, the first one has got to be, will these current trends that we're seeing at the moment in terms of fossil fuel decline, uh, will that be sustained past the lockdown? Um, but another one for geographers to think about, will energy production uh, following this um, COVID-19, will energy production use become more localised? Is, is that, an, uh, you know, a, a necessity, uh, an implication? of this? Are we going to have less sort of global uh, movement of, of energy? Um, thirdly, how will changes in the energy mix impact on climate change? Clearly at the moment, uh, the, the climate is having a bit of a, a respite from um, excessive fossil fuel use, but will that, you know, how, how will that look in, in the future? And, and finally, based on what I've just said, what will the economic recovery look like? Will we see green economic recovery? Does it change our relationship with energy? Okay, well, I'm going to finish off there. Uh, it's been really interesting. I've got another uh, another one of these that I'm going to be doing very, very soon about the impact of uh, impact on inequality of the coronavirus outbreak. But um, until then, this is Geography Ninja signing out and saying bye for now.